This isn't the last Sunday in in August, but uh, we are moving along. The days are, you know, getting shorter um, as we get back as we get off of daylight savings time and go back to quote unquote regular time. Um, we were getting closer to you know holidays and. Uh, Thanksgiving and, and eventually a new year in 2023 if the Lord blesses us all to see it. And um, <clears throat> one thing that uh, is, is, is moving on is time, but one thing that still persists is uh, this flesh that we have. Um, you know, even, which, even with every day that God blesses us to be alive, um, it's, it's also... Uh, another day that we have to carry along this, this shell of a flesh with us um, and try to get through the day in a manner that's pleasing unto God. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, that is a challenge um, in and of itself. We know that there are a number of uh, uh, verses that we've read over the past three or four weeks that highlights the fact that you know, our spirits are uh, in, in conflict with our bodies. Right. And our bodies are always wanting us to go one direction, and our spirit is the only thing um, that keeps us, you know, from, you know, staying on that straight and narrow path, I guess I would say. Um, without the rudder of the Spirit of God, we would have no hope. We'd be out in the sea just kind of going about, um, victim to the tides of, of life. The world will say that, you know, you are the master of your faith. Um, you know, you have control. Uh, well, you don't, to some degree. The only thing that you have control over is the choice to either follow God or not. Yes. Everything else is really, you know, every decision, rather, is without the Spirit of God is based off of the flesh and how you feel. Um, we've talked about morality. We've talked about morality versus uh, spirituality, or rather, excuse me, morality versus righteousness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all have, human beings all have a sense of morality, you know, what's what's you know, reasonably good and what's reasonably bad. Um, but, you know, our culture, society, uh, has a huge weight in crafting morality. You know, we may say it's not morally right for uh, a woman to walk around undressed. Well, in other societies and other cultures, it's absolutely okay. So morality uh, is in the eyes of the beholder. It's formed by, by culture. It's formed by society. Um, what's morally right today, Sister Bill is wearing a dress that's showing her ankles back in the day. You know, way, way back in the day, that was not morally sound for a woman to show her ankles. Mm-hmm. It changes with time, but righteousness is is preeminent. Yes. Um, it is constant. It remains the same from Genesis through Revelation, from the creation of this world to the end of it. Righteousness um, is constant. It is not subject to culture and society because it's rooted in the Word of God. Amen. And one thing that we know about the Word of God, well, the Scripture tells us that is that uh, there are two immutable facts that uh, 
that roots the Word of God in truth? Well, first, to, first and foremost is that it is impossible for God to lie. And, I, and I'll reiterate that. It is impossible for God to lie. Yes. Meaning that even if he were to tell a lie, it would be truth. Amen. It, 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 it means that there is absolutely no way for, for God to tell a lie because what he says is the truth. See how that works? It, it, it's, yes. If God said, uh, you know, all of what I've written in the Word of God is, 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 not, is, is a falsehood, then what he said right then and there is the truth. Mm -hmm. It is impossible for God to lie, and, and that is really the fundamental basis of righteousness, is that what he has written for us in this book that we call the Holy Bible is constant. It cannot change. It is the truth. It is not falsehood. Um, regardless of whether you lived in the first century, the 13th century, the 21st century, or the 32nd century, the Word of God is truth, and that's what righteousness is all about. Now, I'll tell you, uh, I'll, I'll, the reason why I bring this up is because of what... Uh, uh, what happened in the the church in Galatia? Mm -hmm. um, in the church of Galatia, they were having a struggle with morality versus righteousness. Mm -hmm. They felt that every single person who was circumcised was morally good. Mm -hmm. Now, it, you have to understand the reason why uh, circumcision was so important. Back in uh, the book of Genesis. Um, Abraham, who was circumcised after he received the promise of God, right? After he, and if you remember in our, maybe it was in our Bible class or it was in Sunday morning, um, I can't remember um, which one of discussion that we had, but going back to the book of Romans, it says that it was imputed under Abraham for righteousness, not because of the fact that he was circumcised but because he was obedient to the commandments of God. Right. So Abraham um, received the promise of God three times. After the third time, Abraham was told by God that every male child mm -hmm. in the camp, whether it was you know, a, a child of his or a child of his handmaidens or uh, a servant or whatever the case may be, every man child um, had to be circumcised shortly after birth. And every man who was of age at that time also had to be circumcised. You understand that Abraham was circumcised as an adult yes. male. He had already, it already had been imputed or accounted or afforded or accredited unto him for righteousness well before him. Mm -hmm. But God said that God commanded that every man child be circumcised as a signification of their uh, of of uh, of their heritage to the promise that Abraham had given to God it wasn't that God told him that every man child who was circumcised is righteous no that's not what he said 
he said that every man shall need to be circumcised as a son, as a sign of the promise that I have given to you that through you all nations will be blessed, that through you your and your seed I will establish a kingdom that will last forever. And so we, we see that circumcision um, was a sign, but over time, you know, as, as culture and society changes, certainly by the time we get to uh, the church in Galatia, that there was a struggle between this, you know, who's truly good? And at that time, they felt that every person who was circumcised was good. <coughs> Jesus had a, had, a, had a point of contention on this. If you, if you recall, he called these same circumcised people, um, in particular these Pharisees, he called them a generation of vipers. He, he rebuked them by calling them hypocrites. Right? And he said, you espouse to be righteous... Um, but you act unrighteous. You, you're supposed to be a part of, you know, to be set aside and to be a part of God's people, but you don't act like it. Um, he says you follow the commandments of love, but you hate your neighbor, or you hate your enemy, rather. And in John, the seventh chapter, um, this is what, uh, uh, this is what Jesus has to say specifically about you know this this uh, this circumcision. Now, I, I, before I before I read this, and, and we're going to start reading at the twentieth verse in John the seventh chapter, is just to highlight again that um, all glory be to God that God hasn't asked us to wear you know a certain garment. You know there there are certain um, religious uh, belief systems out there, right, where women have to wear a certain thing, you know, men have to wear, you know, a certain piece of jewelry, right, and and so they, they do those things, maybe not as a sign uh, of morality, but it is, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a second, but also as a sign to identify who they belong to, you know, what belief system they ascribe to, you know, you, whether it's Sikhs or or Catholics, or or Mormon, or uh, you know Muslim. There's always something outward that they're required to wear, or something maybe not outward, but you know, in the case of the uh, folks of the the Mormon belief system, they they wear this, they wear undergarments. But you know, if if you're a young man and you're out evangelizing for the, the Mormon belief system, we, we all see them, right? Yes. They, they wear a certain uniform. They're, they're riding a bike, yes. right, to signify, you know, their, their group identity. Now, I, I don't want to get all political here on you, but, um, uh, you know, identity politics, as they say, mm -hmm. is really kind of the, the driving force for our political system, mm -hmm. right? They, uh, Democrats... All have to look a certain way, right. it, you know. If 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 you are progressive, then you know you put a, a rainbow flag out on your front lawn, right? Or vice versa. Uh, you know, or a rainbow flag means that you're progressive, or progressive means that 
you're of that persuasion. You, you get my point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the red hat with the white lettering. You all know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, uh, you know, the uh, rebel flag. Um, you know, all of these things, right? You know, the you know, swastikas and, you know, um, and, and dreadlocks. You know, the, the, the red, black, and green colors. You, I say all that to say this, that humankind is obsessed with letting other people see who they belong to. You know, it, it's all about, I need to outwardly show you, you know, the group that I identify with. And that's the reason why the Galatians were struggling. They were made up of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And the Jewish Christians said, listen, if you're going to be a part of the promise of Abraham, which we have, which we say that we are, but signifying outwardly by our circumcision, you also need to be circumcised. Because otherwise, people won't know what group you belong to. You're just going to be like everybody else. You know, we, we cannot distinguish ourselves from the world unless we all look a certain way. And circumcision was that thing that um, was was the thing that the Jewish Christians at this time used or thought was useful for identifying the righteous. So in John the seventh chapter, verse number twenty, um, it says here the people answered after Jesus said that um, you know he he was set aside for the purpose of doing God the Father's will. And that was heresy um, to them. But it says, The people answered and said, Thou hast the devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, then the law of Moses should not be broken. Are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So we've talked about this occasion numerous times. You know, Jesus had a propensity for healing people on the Sabbath day. And he was doing this for a reason. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't just that he was trying to help someone in need. It was, he was also trying to deliver a message. Number one, that morality has nothing to do with your outward appearance. It doesn't matter who you identify with that makes you a part of that group. It's what you do. It's not what I say, it's what I do. It's not what I look like, but what I do. And Jesus says that, you know, Moses gave you circumcision, but he didn't give it to you. No. Because the Jews at this time were just over, you know, over the moon. They were ardent believers in Moses as the most righteous person of their time. Because he gave the Ten Commandments. 
But he says that circumcision was given to you, not by Moses, but of the fathers. Mm -hmm. Abraham being the, um, the, the forefather of that. Right. Interestingly, he says, on the day, on the Sabbath day, you circumcise a man. Meaning, you remove flesh from his body. Mm -hmm. He is no longer a whole man. And when you remove the foreskin of, of a man, or a, of a man-child, let's say, it does not grow back. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And he says, Jesus is saying, it's contradictory, right? That you are making a person, quote-unquote, moral and right and good and a part of the promise on the day of Sabbath when it says that you are not to do any servile work. But when I go to make a man whole, mm -hmm. you say that I'm of the devil mm -hmm. and I'm a sinner. Right. See all that the contradictory nature of what uh, uh, of what the the Jews at this time thought is servile work. Moses said he can't do it, but you'll circumcise him. Circumcise man, you will remove. A portion of his flesh that he'll never get back. But when I do the righteous thing and make a man whole on the Sabbath, I'm in league with Beelzebub. Right. So what does he say in verse number 24? Jesus says, Judge not according to the appearance of righteousness or the appearance of morality or how people identify themselves, but judge righteous judgment. And we talked about, you know, in, in our study in the, uh, the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, about putting on the whole righteousness, or sorry, putting on the armor of God and putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We know what righteousness is. Righteousness can only be found in obedience to, to the word of God. Again, going back to what we looked at with Abraham, it was only through his obedience that it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Mm -hmm. Who is the righteous judge? You know that God is the righteous judge. And why is God the righteous judge? Because it is impossible for him to lie. Right. Everything that comes out of his mouth is the truth. Um, let me let me bring this to a finer point. <clears throat> um, we're going to look at a couple of verses here. Uh, first verse we're going to look at is Second uh, Corinthians, mm -hmm. um, the fourth chapter. And um, we're also going to look at, uh, uh, well, I just had it, 1 John. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to, to mark two verses. Um, the first one is uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We'll be reading from verses uh, 7 through 13. And uh, the second verse we're going to be looking at is in 1 John chapter 5. I'm not going to give you that verse quite yet. So... In uh, 2 Corinthians, the, the fourth chapter, starting at verse number 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Mm -hmm. So that's that's an important thing that you know we um, we have this these bodies, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's not us that does you know these things that. Um, that we do for God. It's the power of God that works through us that does those things. In verse number 8 again, it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. Mm -hmm. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. And in verse number 14, Knowing that he which raiseth up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall be present, and shall present us with you. Um, and if you continue to read on, um, it says in verse number 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And, you know, what Paul is kind of alluding to here, right, is that, you know, through the eons of time, as men have been ministering the word of God, they have, they have put zero trust in the flesh, right? Because as a vessel of God, it's required that God be manifest, that God be given the glory, through the vessel of the body, mm -hmm. right? That the honor should not go to the body itself, but the honor should God to should go to God the Father. And so that's what Paul is alluding to. He says, you know, even while we have been down and out, we have been uplifted. We have, you know, even when we've been persecuted, we have we haven't been forsaken. When we've been beaten, you know, we've been healed. In our weakness, we've been given strength. And it has nothing to do with what you look like on the outside. It has everything to do with the spirit of faith that exists inside each and every one of us as children of God. Right. While we look not at the things which are seen, we look at the things which are not seen. Because we know that the things that are seen are temporal meaning they're not permanent. I remember uh, a word, uh, you know, temporal from, from Star Trek, right? You know, you, you go through, you know, a, a temporal zone or a temporal wave, you, you fluctuate in space and time. Things aren't, things are always moving. Well, the same is true with our faith and the outward appearance. It is not going to remain the same. It is, it is temporary. It is going to be destroyed in the very end just as well as everything else, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I cannot see 
the Spirit of God in any one of you. But you know, but you know what? I know that the Spirit of God is working in each every one of you by the things that you do. Amen. So let's take a look at uh, 1 John, the 5th chapter. <clears throat> it says in verse number 1 of 1 John, the 5th chapter, Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. I'll, I'll read that slower. Whosoever believe that Jesus Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Okay. Did that say anything about, you know, anybody who wears, you know, a piece of jewelry or a crucifix or an earring or a head covering or a scarf or an undergarment or even circumcision? It says, he that believeth that Jesus Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Hold on to that for a second. And go back to um, uh, 1 John, the fourth chapter. 1 John, the fourth chapter, and verse number one says this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Did it say look at the body, look at an outward appearance? No, it said try the spirits. Is the spirit, can you see one spirit? No, you cannot. But we can try the spirit. We can judge righteous judgment based off of what they do. And this is interesting. right? We have an entire nation, group, um, and I don't even know if you could say race, but let's say race. We have an entire lineage of group of people that still practice circumcision as a rule, as a fundamental aspect of their identity is circumcision. These are the same people back in, in John, the seventh chapter that we just read, that said that Jesus <clears throat> was crazy. They called him in league with Beelzebub and the devil. The same people that practiced circumcision back then, we have that, that heritage, we have that practice continued on to today. And you remember what I just read, or what we just read in 1 John, the 5th chapter, and verse number 1, is whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So I, again, I read 1 John the 4th chapter and verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they, be, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And that goes back to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians about uh, false prophets, false apostles, right? Wolves in sheep's clothing, right? They look righteous, but they're not righteous. You know, a wolf will always be a wolf. Regardless of how he looks, a wolf's instincts are always the same. Let me, re let me reiterate that to you. 
It doesn't matter how righteous a person looks on the outside. If they're unrighteous, they will always do unrighteous things. It's in their nature. They can't help it. They can't help it because they don't have the Spirit of God to allow them to overcome their nature and walk that straight and narrow path. A wolf will always be a wolf. A wolf in sheep's clothing, if he's around a bunch of sheep and he's hungry, you're going to see a sheep eat another sheep. At least that's what it looks like. Okay, right. mm -hmm. I, I may have belabored that point a bit, but just wanted to bring that up. Mm -hmm. Verse number two. It says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. So how can we try the Spirit? We know the Spirit of God, colon, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, colon, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and that, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You remember what I just said? Mm -hmm. There are a group of people today right. who are circumcised, mm -hmm. but reject the notion that Jesus Christ, you know, the same Jesus that's written in this Bible, came in the flesh and died and is the Son of God. Right. Yes. But yet they outwardly bear the mark of the promise of Abraham. Mm -hmm. yes. But what is the what does first John the fourth chapter tell? Them? It says they can't confess it, can they? Mm -hmm. And because they can't confess it, what are they? Now you could you could throw rocks at Thomas Garner all you want. While you're doing that, go ahead and bow your head in prayer and rebuke the Almighty God. Because I didn't say it, he did. You understand where this where this idea comes from? Now, confession. What does the Bible say about confession? It says the man believes in his heart. And what? Based on that belief, confession is made unto salvation. Amen. You can't confess something unless you truly believe it. Skip forward back to 1 John, the 5th chapter. What does it say? Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Right. And everyone that loveth him that begat, speaking of God, mm -hmm. loveth him also that is begotten of him, mm -hmm. speaking of Christ. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. And for, th and for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Mm -hmm. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, 
what is the what is the the thing that distinguishes us from everyone else? Mm-hmm. It's our love for God. It has nothing to do with you know uh, a ring or a garment or circumcision or any other alteration that you know mankind would you know put on. I'm not I'm not saying if you're circumcised you're going to hell. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying is that if you're circumcised and you don't love God the way the scripture tells you to love God, you will go to hell. I'm not saying that if you're uncircumcised, you're going to go to hell. But here's what I'm saying, or here's what the scripture is saying. If you are uncircumcised and you don't love God the way that the scripture tells you to love God, yes, you will go to hell. You see, the active ingredient is not outward uh signs or significations but what's inward do I love God enough do I trust God enough do I believe in the word of God enough to do what he says to do now Jesus made us a promise and uh, I want to say that's in I think it's Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number 33. Um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, let's let's take a look at that. He, he gave us a promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, sorry, it's uh, Matthew 10, uh, 33. But let's start at uh, Matthew 10, 32. says whosoever therefore whosoever therefore shall confess me before men him will I also confess before my father which is in heaven Mm -hmm. but whosoever shall deny me before men him will I also deny before my father which is in heaven so you're telling me that I can deny the, uh, I can deny Jesus Christ all I want mm-hmm. but still get to heaven with this circumcision that I've got mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus made the promise mm-hmm. he said if you confess me before men and we all know that confession has to come from a belief of the heart you can't confess somebody you don't know which is the reason why you need to hear the word of God Somebody needs to teach you. Somebody needs to impart the wisdom of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or rather the wisdom of the gospel of of God himself. Otherwise, you can't believe it, and and therefore you can't confess it. Now, you may say, well, I I can tell a lie every day of the week. Doesn't, didn't, uh, the devil say that, you know, it's, you know, it's no great thing. Or doesn't the Bible say that it's no great thing to believe in God? Because the devil believes in God and trembles. Mm-hmm. Right? You're right. You can lie. You could tell me a lie right now and say, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But in your heart, not believe it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you one thing that you cannot hide from. You can't hide from God. Man. He knows the heart 
of every single one of us. And so what Jesus says is that, you know, this confession, if it is made with a true heart, he will confess you before his Father which is in heaven. But if you deny Jesus Christ, he'll deny you before his Father as well. I go back to this. You know, a, a zebra, what color is a zebra? You know, if you, you, what you see on the outside is what? The color of the zebra's hair. What what's what color is a zebra once he's all shaven? I don't know. I, I don't know. I've never shaved a zebra. I'm sure somebody could Google it and 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 tell me, you know, maybe maybe they are still, you know, striped underneath their hair. Maybe they're spotted, maybe they're pink. I don't know. But I can tell a zebra based on its stripes. Right? But if I cut off all the hair, not knowing what a zebra looks like bald, I may struggle with that, right? Who are you? Underneath, I mean, I, I see you, I know who you are, but who are you underneath? Behind, you know, beyond the hair, Beyond the clothes, beyond the smile, you know, beyond, you know, your skin, you know, who are you? Underneath, who are you? I don't know. I've never seen, just as, just as well as I've never seen a zebra naked, <laughs> I've never seen any of y'all naked. But I can tell you somebody who does know the answer. I can tell you yes. unequivocally somebody who knows what a zebra looks like underneath all that hair. And that's God. God does not care about what you look like on the outside. His only care is about who you are on the inside, in your heart. Amen. And as it pertains to us, right? If a horse and a zebra are next to one another, and <laughs> both of them are shaven and shorn, you know, the scripture says I need to try the spirits. Horses and zebras act differently, right? One is domesticated, the other is a wild animal. Wild animals will not act like domesticated animals. Domesticated animals will not act like wild animals. So trying the spirits is not looking at the outside, but looking at their mannerisms, how they act. Yes. They will always show their true colors because they're going to do what they do by nature. The righteous, remember we, we looked at what it said in 1 John that um, the righteous are righteous even as they are righteous. It implies that the nature of the righteous is to do righteousness. Mm -hmm. The true nature of the unrighteous is to do unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And you'll see it. They can't hide it. It's in their nature. So, <clears throat> to conclude, um, turn your Bibles to First uh, John, the fifth chapter, and we'll read at 
Start reading at verse number 17. First John, the fifth chapter, verse number 17 says, All unrighteousness is sin. And I haven't even gotten to the, the scripture reading. I completely forgot about it. But um, you can go back and read that. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses one and six. Um, where Paul is talking to the church of Galatia about this circumcision. Mm -hmm. It's important to read that entire chapter because of what he says after he talks about circumcision availeth nothing. He says that it is sin. It is obedience that separates those that are good in the eyes of God and those who are, let's say, bad in the eyes of God. And so 1 John, the fifth chapter again, highlights to us that all unrighteousness is sin. It doesn't matter what you, what you have on the outside. If you're being unrighteous, if that is your nature, then you are in sin. And there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. You know what it means to be born of God? It means that you have God's spiritual DNA. If you remember a lesson I gave on that, genetically, you are a child of... Let me rephrase that. Genetically, you have God in you. I look like my mom and my dad. If I'm born of God, guess who I look like? I look like God. And even more so, they say that, you know, you know, a child adopts the mannerisms of the parent. Not only do I look like God, but I've adopted God's mannerisms as well. And if I am born of God, what does it say again? I sin not, and therefore I do righteous things and not unrighteous things. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So if you're here this morning and you have been putting, you've been, you know, I had a conversation with a gentleman the other day in the laundromat. And uh, he said, and, and I agree with him 100%, but he, he was talking to me about, um, uh, about a religious belief system. And he said, I, I, I rejected that religious belief system because it required me to revere something or someone else other than God, equal to God himself. Mm. And he said, that was not a worship. And I said, absolutely amen to that. And I would say to you this morning, if you have been revering the outward appearance, or if you have been equating the outward appearance as it as being akin to being God or being equal to God, 
And that's idol. That's idol worship. That is idolatry. Yes. There's a lot of people out there who say, well, I can do whatever I want, but I'm circumcised. I'm a part of that promise. God can't take away that promise. He said back in Genesis that if I'm circumcised, I'm a part of that promise. Completely missing out on the fact that it's, it's not a promise based on <laughs> the physical appearance, but it's a promise based on acting upon the sign of this physical appearance. It's, it's a promise of righteousness. Because the father, Abraham, their forefather Abraham, was imputed unto him three times. Three times God reiterated his promise, not because of the flesh, but because of his unwavering obedience, and even more so because of his belief in God. And that's what we need to do. Amen. That's the people that we need to be. Um, and that's the way we should all be living our lives. That's the way I should be living my life. Is that regardless of what you see, it doesn't matter. I mean, if I were up here with a torn and tattered shirt, but I was doing righteous things, if I was a child of God, with the Spirit of God, acting in a righteous manner, it shouldn't matter what I look like. Shouldn't matter if I'm a, from a white guy or Hispanic or or Jewish, right? It should not matter. It doesn't matter. Amen. But what truly matters is a faith that's rooted in the belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and one who just doesn't believe it, but acts upon it, who gives God and the glory through the flesh, and not taking the glory from God because of the flesh. So if you're here this morning and you need prayers, um, if if there's a, a prayer for anything, you need prayers for strength to overcome a fault, you need prayers of strength for uh, continued faith or strength or uh, maybe a challenge that you're going through in your life, um, this is the time. This is the opportunity for any and all of us to um, ask for prayers uh, for strength from God. So we're going to sing a song of invitation and immediately afterwards, before we open up to you. Thank you.